Hello, welcome to the Female Guides Requested Podcast. Today's guest is Elena Arendt, and this episode was recorded on January 23rd, 2023. Elena is a AMG Rock Guide, Apprentice Alpine Guide, and Single Pitch Instructor Provider Trainer. She's also a Level 2 Arata Spread Rope Access Technician. She owns New River Mountain Guides and splits her time guiding in New River Gorge in summer and Red Rock Canyon in the rest of the year. She is currently a board member of the AMGA. Elena was a mentor of mine on my way to becoming an AMG SPI provider. She loves teaching and is always calm and extremely patient. I first met her at one of the AMG annual meetings, and I embarrassed myself by acting like a teenage fan of a rock star. I couldn't believe how she kept her encouraging smile listening to all my Twitter. I still act like a fan when I interview her because she is just incredible. How she managed so many tests is beyond me, and I know she will be always one of my role models. Now, let's hear Elena's stories. So, I'm just recording right now. Um, Hi, Elena. Hi, Ting Ting. Thank you for um, coming and let me interview you. It's great to to be here and support you. Thank you. Um, When... When did I meet you? Was it during one of the annual meetings or I contact you for Women's yeah. SPI program? Yeah, the first time I remember meeting you was in Salt Lake City for the AMJ annual meeting. Right. And that was just before COVID or maybe 2017 or 18. It was before COVID, definitely. It was definitely before COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing you and I was like, oh, there's a female guide I haven't seen before. And then I went to the gym and you were at the climbing gym there. Oh, yeah. Momentum. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I remember, we, if I remember correctly, we climbed a little bit together. And then we ended up maybe in a, one of the seminars or something after that. Maybe this SPI provider Oh um, yeah, discussion. Were, yeah, because I was becoming one. Yes. And you were... You were not planning to teach that one, but somehow somebody, right. somebody got sick. Yeah. Jim, I think Jim was yes, sick. Yes, exactly. So one you of the other instructors. Take over. Yeah, yeah. So I stepped in at the last minute, and you were going doing your training then. Yes, I yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's all coming back. Yeah, I remember that now. It all came back to me because mm-hmm. um, now I look, think back, I was a little bit embarrassed because I just like, Elena, and oh, then I just... No kind of approach you <laughs> and as if just like you can't tell me everything about what you have done because I was a fan and Aww. everything and now I finally have an official yeah. chance that I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions during awesome. this interview so and actually I did a little digging mm-hmm. uh, well I google you obviously and I found a few podcasts you have been on and I'll put all the things on the show note web page so other people can listen to those things too. Cool. And so I'm not going to repeat a lot of those questions, but I think something is worth mentioning again. 
So you start climbing when you were twenty-ish, maybe、mm-hmm. a, way back. Well, you're not that old, but I should not say way back. It was、uh, way back then.、Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a friend of you took you、mm-hmm. to、uh, a climbing gym. Yep. And then the next day you went outside already. Yeah, yeah. And you got pretty, hooked pretty quick. I don't know if it was next day or like the following weekend. Right. But、um, I was I was hooked from the beginning. Yeah. How how did that feel? Because the first time I also. Went to a gym to learn how to rock climb the first time,、mm-hmm. but I hated it. It was、mm-hmm. so hard. I climbed it by seven. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And so, how did it feel for you when you like the? Why Why did it attract you? Um. I guess I had a lot of positive encouragement from my friend, and I didn't know a thing about climbing. And、um, he just really—he's like, "Oh, well, you're pretty good at this, you know." He's like, "If you if you really like this, I'll take you outside, and you know, if, that's even better than climbing indoors."、Mm, yeah. And so,、um, yeah, the next weekend he took me. His name is Seiji Ishi. He's a long, long-time friend who's become—he was started as my mentor, and then I became his teacher in,、uh, for AMGA in the end. Oh, really?、And、so we came full circle, but we're still in touch and good friends.、Nice. But.、Um, So yeah, he took me out the next weekend, and I topped up this route. And he's like, "Oh, he's like, you didn't fall. Do you want to? You want to learn to lead?" Yeah, I I heard that story. <laughs> I was like, What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leading right. I have you... no idea.、Mm-hmm. But you did that, right? <laughs> I did, yeah, and successfully. I, I did. I'm still here with all my appendages in one piece. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean that that they say something about you. It's the first time, you know. But I think a lot of time with a lot of encouragement and people say, "Well, you look good, you're doing well."、Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty important thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, so you after that, you're hooked, and then you start working in that、uh, the climbing gym in、right. question. Yep.、Yeah. Awesome. Then I heard about this epic road trip from、yes. Alaska to. There's been to... so many. Yes, that one.、Uh, yeah, that one because. <laughs> That climbing gym is in Texas, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. in Austin, Texas. It was called Pseudo Rock. Okay, it was the first gym there back in 1994 for the listeners. You can climb for well, I think you and I are about the same age,、mm-hmm. but、um, you just climbing way、uh, earlier than I did. Yeah, which I'm kind of envious because I always wish I could climb. Yeah, start climbing earlier, but who doesn't? I have yeah, I haven't met a single climber who doesn't wish they hadn't started at a younger、right. age. Yeah. So you drove. So when I heard that road trip, we drove from Alaska all the、mm-hmm. way to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend living in Anchorage, and、um, I went up there to visit her for New Year's, so、mm-hmm. January. Great time to be in Alaska, <laughs> from South Texas, <laughs> Central Texas. Yeah. What were you thinking back then? I don't、right? know.、Yeah. It sounded like an adventure, and、mm-hmm. I'd never been to Alaska, and I always wanted to go.、Mm-hmm. And she wanted to drive her van. Um, this is before van life was ever a thing.、Right. She had a, a Conaline van that she had built out, and wanted to drive it down to Mexico, Petrero Chico. So I flew up there and spent a week up there with her, and、um, then we drove all the way down to Petrero. With the, we stopped over in Waco Tanks for a few weeks and bouldered there. Right. And、uh, had all my stuff stolen. Ooh, <laughs> out of her van. Oh, and, <laughs> and wow, and,、uh, was able to carry on. Awesome.、Uh, and then after that, you just stay in、uh, El Potrero Chico. Yep. Right. Yeah, Because you stayed down there、uh, for several months. You can't quit your supposedly to be your job. Yeah. And then stay there because、um, so. 
So from that year, how many year have you climbed? Oh, that was probably three years or four years. Three, four years. Yeah, it was ninety-seven, I think. So I've been right. climbing three years. I see. So is that safe to say that you were when you start your El Patricio <laughs> EPC? I'm yeah, not saying EPC. EPC. I know it's hard to <laughs> yeah. say. EPC day. You were relatively a newer climber. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. pretty pretty fresh. Because I, I felt heard... really experienced at the time. Oh, is it? Yeah. But looking back, I didn't know Jack. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and because I heard so many stories about uh, your EPC day, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people told me that, well, people have been developing stuff mm-hmm. um, in El Patrio Chico. Yeah. Now I can say it. Yeah. But you and Kurt Smith people say was pretty much the one that put it on the map for more people to go to. Yeah, there were people before us that developed the area, but we were the first to really market the area for climbing as a climbing destination. Kurt, who's my ex-husband, he would do slideshow tours and promote the area Mm -hmm. as part of like his obligations to his sponsors and as a way to travel and uh, make money by just charging for the slideshows. That was that was our program. We spent our winters down in the Petrera, winters and spring, and then we come back to the states during the um, summer and fall. And then we would, um, you know, advertise and market, you know, the area down there. Because and, you own, you and Kurt own the business there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We bought um, property from a, one of Omero Omero's like the first. Um, first local who really embraced climbers and invited the first climbers to visit the area to stay at his at his quinta the right. quinta santa graciela and um so he had a climbers campground there and um kurt bought some land from one of his cousins to open up his own sort of campground nice so basically because you also you mentioned one of podcasts you also start teaching in the gym Mm-hmm. Sometimes take people outside, and mm-hmm. now you three years later, three or four years later, in El Patrio Chico, you you own a business. You're probably taking people outside, but you're doing mm-hmm. it commercially, right? Yeah. So yeah, with see, no no training, no permits, no insurance. <laughs> you see, but you know, you know, sometimes you just kind of figure out gradually. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like you start climbing, and pretty much right away you start guiding. Yeah. Looking back mm-hmm. now, it's completely irresponsible what I did, but I had no idea. But you I was, was like I was early twenty. Making, you got all the privilege to be bold. I was making the business happen. Mm-hmm. I don't really know Kurt that. Well, but I know, so he was a sponsor climber mm-hmm. and probably one of the pros back then. Mm-hmm. I heard that he climbed like really hard. Yeah. 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 And was, like back when 514A was a, a, a benchmark grade, mm-hmm. he was one of the first to do, yeah. climb that grade. Right. And of course, now it's, you know, definitely. it's but a back, warm up for I, modern climbers. But. Yeah. But back, back in like 20 years ago, it's like hard. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So no problem as he's like he climbed really well. I always curious about obviously climbing hard is not something that important. But would you feel a little bit intimidated if he's probably the better climber or stronger climber in the relationship? Because probably for a long time that he's your default climbing partner. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. 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 For many years. Yeah. And the reason I I ask is. Because when I 
met my husband, I was uh, just climbing for one year, and he has been climbing like 30 years. Mm -hmm. So obviously I learned a lot from him. But I also feel like I could probably gain a little bit more perspective if I climb with more people. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of curious what you think about it. What's the pros and cons to climb with your significant others and stuff? Um, I think, you know, there's always opportunity for growth and learning um, whenever you're climbing with someone who has more experience than you. Um, I think being in a relationship with someone can complicate that a bit. The, there's the power balance, if you want to call it that, or just the balance in relationship. Right. Um, but uh, it, it was a really positive experience for me. Um, I knew of Kurt prior because uh, he was a professional climber, but I didn't know him as an individual. Um, but he taught me a lot about um, things that I thought... You don't know what you don't know, I guess. What am I trying to say? Um, he taught me a lot about the things that I needed to like fill in the gaps of my experience and knowledge. Specifically, like yeah. uh, multi-pitch. You know, going to okay. El Patero Chico, it's like it's a lot of multi-pitch, like sport climbing, essentially. And so I remember the my first multi-pitch climb I did down there prior to having climbed with him. I went to the top of the route of the first pitch and I put two quick draws on the anchors and I went in direct like I was as if I were going to clean the anchor. And then I belayed him off the those the bottom carabiners of the quick draws with the ATC on my belay loop. You know, oh, yeah. as if I were standing on the ground, I was just doing it at the top of the route. Right. I had no clue that there were other <laughs> ways to do about mm-hmm. it, go about it. And in those days, there um, there were no these um, assisted braking devices or plaquettes like the ATC guide or the Reverso. Those hadn't been invented yet. The Grigri has was barely on the market at that time, and, um, and so I that's what I use. I just put the you know the, either the ATC or the Grigri on my belay loop, right, and blade like that. And then he showed me how to close pitch in at the anchor and go into two you know the bolts and equalize the things, and, right. Um, so that was, yeah, that was our, uh, my experience there. Awesome. Yeah. Did you feel any pressure to perform? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, you know, especially when, you know, we were first climbing together before we were starting, we dated, um, you know, he's a professional climber guy and I wanted to, you know, show how strong I was and yeah. competent and all these things and impress him. Um, and so, yeah, of course, there's pressure to perform. Right. But you think overall more positive than pressure, I was. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So after all, did you also bowl, develop some routes? And mm-hmm. how many years did you spend there? Um, 97 through 2001, the years that I spent down there. And I would be down there anywhere from like four to six months out of the year. And um, one of Kurt's passions w- is route development, and mm. so he would he would you know I would go along to support him haul, haul loads and make sure there's nobody on the trails as he's trundling um, you know loose rock from new routes, and um, he taught me how to place bolts and um, establish routes, clean the lines, and get it prepared for for everyone to enjoy. And so that was something early on I developed. A, I would say an eye for like always looking for new new lines to do and I really enjoy that process of going up to you know a, a piece of cliff and then like um, right. finding the way 
and yeah. you never quite know what it's going to be when you first approach it and it's pretty exciting to definitely to solve that i've done some like alpine versus sam and it's more obvious because you want to find the crack system mm-hmm. right so you can put protection track gear on that but i found that sport climb is a little bit hard mm-hmm. to find a line because who would know not until you hit the areas I w- you you would never know whether the side pole pocket is like any good. Mm. It's very hard to see from afar. Right. So what did you learn over those years when you go to a, a virgin or a blank mm-hmm. wall per se that mm-hmm. you can find the line or you have to repel down to kind of expect? Yeah, so you develop um, an eye for like the path of least resistance and you develop um, the ability to see features. And um, fortunately for me, how I started out was uh, bolting on rappel. So that's, that was a easier transition into figuring out where the route goes um, versus going ground up. Um, ground up is much harder to define the line because you've never seen what's above you yet. Whereas rappel, bolting on rappel or rap bolting, um, you're able to preview everything is and tick where you want the protection, where the bolts to go, and um, kind of get it all laid out before you even take the drill to the rock and install any bolts. Probably with more practice, you just get better mm-hmm. develop that. Yeah, yeah. But you'll notice, as um, at least I do now anyway, routes that are bolted on lead climb very differently than ones that have been bolted on rappel. Yeah, because you might have to climb past cracks mm-hmm. to a very good stance to in order to bow right yeah. because it just take forever to drill that hole and stuff yeah yeah i think yeah. um it requires less uh i don't know less skill is the right word to use but mm-hmm. um it's an easier access like myself i've only been climbing three years and i was already learning how to place bolts but i only had three years climbing experience so um, I didn't have like decades of experience to inform like how to establish a route. Right. Um, only uh, specific feedback in, in those moments, but um, it's an art, you know. It is. It's really cool process to be a part of, and I still enjoy it. Chad, my boyfriend, and I, we mm-hmm. were always out um, you Look know, for lines. looking for new, looking I know. For new yeah, stuff. Yeah, because I saw your name on the guidebook, yeah. uh, limestone, Mojave limestone mm-hmm. guidebook. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There's a few out there. Yeah. yeah. Not many in Nevada, but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So also during those um, Patrillo Chico days, I heard from older climbers that Back then, I say, oh, yeah, Elena, her photo is always on the climbing magazine. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't read those magazines. So I was wondering whether um, those are from basic from the Petrero Chico days. Yeah. Yeah. There are a couple articles on the Petrero back in the late 90s. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Mid to late 90s. And I had, yeah, pictures Mm -hmm. in there. And um, yeah, so I've been been in the magazines, but it's been a hot minute and guess they don't even publish magazines anymore. Right. But then I also heard the comments say, oh, yeah, Elena, she was in the magazine a lot, and she was cute. Aww. That's what they say. And, I mean, I personally <laughs> think you're, like, really cute, too. <laughs> but when I started reading magazine in 2008, I remember there was still those days that 
they would put some random bikini girls in、mm-hmm. the climbing magazine,、yeah. and who are not climbers just happen to be the girls. They went to some sea cliff climbing、mm-hmm. destination and then on the boat and、mm-hmm. stuff. And I was just like, why do they not put female climbers in? So, do you think that back then there were a lot of women in the climbing magazine back、um, in the nineties? There weren't. I mean, I think I could count all of the climbers in Austin, the female climbers, on both my hands. Right. At that time, and there were some really strong, you know, inspiring women, and I was intimidated by them because I was、mm. the, the new kid, and they were experienced,、um, more experienced climbers that climbed hard, and I definitely looked up to them and wanted to to be like them and climb hard as they did.、Uh, were they in magazines? So, you- um. No, no, none of them were anybody famous.、Um, I guess the most famous person was Christina Jackson, who was married to Jeff Jackson at the、oh, time,、okay. and she、yeah. was、um, she was out there doing it, you know, climbing five thirteen and、right. just crushing and putting up new routes and、um, yeah. So I looked up to her as a you know I never knew her really well.、Um, she. Uh, left climbing as soon as I, I mean, about the time I was coming into it, so our paths didn't overlap too much in the climbing world. But she was one of the first female climbers that I looked up to. I see. And of course, Lynn Hill. Yeah, Lynn Hill is the legend. She freed right, the nose、so. right when I started climbing. Oh yeah, nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the next year went for a day ascent. Yep. Yeah. So all that was just starting to definitely、um, the probably pretty big news,、mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 So, was Lynn Hill one of your early role models then? Oh, for sure. For sure, she, right? Yeah, yeah. She still is, and right. You know, I became,、um, you know, I had opportunities to work with her when、oh. I moved to the New River Gorge and bought my guide service,、uh, New River Mountain Guides. She.、Um, I interacted with her at the trade shows, at the outdoor retailer trade shows, and met her. And she wanted to come to. Uh, she wanted to do these climbing instructional clinics, and so we organized one at the New River Gorge, and she came and she spent the week there. Wow, it was really cool to give her give her the tour and watch her absolutely crush every、mm-hmm. route that we could put in front of her with just so much style and grace. And、um, and that was before I had any MGA training or certification when I bought the guide service, and so I. I kind of leveraged my relationships with people like Lynn Hill and、um, Lisa Rands and、uh, oh, Lisa Rands, Craig,、yes. Craig Lubin.、Mm-hmm. Um, they were early, all early, like friendships and mentorships that I helped、um, you know bring through the guide service and kind of market market that way. Probably just back in those days that you also do tours and probably little. Relationship with Climbing Magazine or Curse Circles, and you get to know all、mm-hmm. these people. Yeah, right. So then you can bring them together to teach clinic and everything to、yeah. kind of help you to grow your business. Exactly. I see. Oh, that's cool.、Mm-hmm. I guess that's a, one of the good thing about you if you have a good network. Yeah. Right.、Absolutely. So you just get to know a lot of people because、mm-hmm. I, I just like how do you find mentors? How do you find Role、yeah. models. A role model is probably you can read the magazines, but I'll ask you back to the topic. Do you think back then, as a female climbing with、uh, outstanding performance, is not the only 
only thing they also have to be cute like you so to be like featuring <laughs> magazine <laughs> like Lin Hill is definitely legend so the magazine is gonna talk about yeah. I think probably back in the early days you know they were looking for pretty faces but I think you know a lot of those women not only were you know beautiful they were also right. beautifully strong definitely oh actually I read this thing so you I heard about this thing so you say you have two or three brothers yeah three brothers three brothers mm-hmm. and you were the only girl in your family yep and do you think that also, well, I don't know whether I should say help, but in a way, so it's a little easier for you to navigate through the traditionally men-dominate terrain? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, probably so, I would say, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm used to being around men and boys you know my whole entire life trying to keep up and you know not get crushed <laughs> my, my brother's case but no my brothers are great i love are, them <laughs> are those like all older brother or they sound two older and one younger right yeah yeah so um i've always been very comfortable navigating a male dominant um environment um probably help anyway a little yeah, bit. yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. so they are not those I intimidate him, but not that intimidating. Yeah, yeah, I was. I can't recall ever being intimidated by that sort of setting. I see. Then, so you mentioned that you've been guiding, and without we would talk about AMGA, which is the American Mountain Guides mm-hmm. Association. I know right now you are pretty involved with the AMGA. Mm-hmm. You uh, went to the education. You are right now on the board, mm-hmm. and. How did it all start? Um, gosh, at the very beginning, I guess, my first um, knowledge of the AMGA was working with Craig Lubin when um, Lynn oh, Hill came yeah. to do her camps. Craig Lubin came as, like, the site safety supervisor. Site safety <laughs> supervisor. <laughs> I mean, he can teach a lot of things, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he guided, he was one of the guides on that trip, and so um, I got to know him through that, and he was an AMGA certified rock guide and working towards his alpine certification. Oh, yeah, that kind of reminded me of all that accident. Yeah. yeah. So we, you know, we kept in touch, and every year I would bring him out um, to do clinics, and um, eventually I, um, so that's how I became aware of the AMGAs through through Craig, and Craig was, I really looked up to him and admired him. Um, It really he was a great guy, really down to earth and easy to get along with, uh, very humble. Um, he was a great teacher. And so he was, he really inspired me to seek certification or training and certification. I see. And so I got my um, top rope site manager. Uh, back then, the back SPI in, yeah. single pitching instructor is still the top right. rope site management. And then after a few years, I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to be the, the boss lady of this guide service, then I need to have a higher level training and certification yeah. than the people I employ. Probably not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, and so I reached out to Craig to see if he would hold a private um, rock instructor course oh, at private. Seneca Rocks. Because none of the courses were offered um, at a schedule or a place that was convenient for me. And so I, I was like, I'll bring the instructor to me and I'll Great. So coordinate. back then you already think outside the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I lined up a private course at Seneca Rocks with, with Craig and um, 
secured other students for him to come out and teach and we spent uh, 10 days there and um, just had a blast nice yeah wow now I can see why you're so good at your business. <laughs> hey, no, look, I'm just do this thing. I'm invite this thing, and I make all this happen. Oh, gee, I, I, I need to learn some yeah. trick from you for I sure. Mean, it's, it's those developed relationships, you know, and mm-hmm. um, working your connections. Yeah. So you start your ANGA track. Mm-hmm. So you are serious investing in guiding. Mm-hmm. You was. I don't really think guiding was your childhood dream. Right? Oh, no. I mean, I never, never in a million years that I think I would end up where I am right now. And just, I'm just curious, uh, what, do you actually have a childhood dream? It's like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be the president of the United States or something <laughs> like that. Certainly not that, <laughs> but um, I always loved animals, and oh, I yeah. love reading National Geographic, and so I always thought I might be um, some sort of... Uh, like a biologist, like a field biologist awesome. or um, a veterinarian, but I'm allergic to cats. So I was Ooh. like, oh, baby. Oh. <laughs> I have two cats. <laughs> oh, I'm fine. I think mm-hmm. I've grown out of my cat allergy. Oh, that's great. All those years living with Tracy, I think, really, <laughs> yeah, like Tracy, it was yeah. like immersion yes. uh, therapy, exposure therapy. So I'm far less allergic now than I was um, yeah. as a younger person. Um, but yeah, I always loved animals. And when I started college, I started out studying marine biology in uh, Galveston, oh. Texas. And um, I thought that was uh, would be a good fit for me. But my brain is not mathematically or scientifically like <laughs> programmed or wired. Um, I don't know. I think your math should be really good. Look at how good you're running business. Well, yeah, I've had a lot of good people around me to help mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> So basically, climbing kind of hijacked your career path. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah, the first year I studied marine biology, and then that didn't, wasn't, you know, gelling with my brain, mm-hmm. and um, moved to Austin, and that's when I got, uh, I was, a, met Seiji, my friend who taught me how to climb. Right. Was, he worked at a restaurant close by to the um, the pottery stand I was working at. I worked for these old hippie potters in Austin who are uh, Rob and Debbie Wright, great people. Nice. Um, but Seiji worked at the, and managed the restaurant right next door. And Seiji opened, um, helped to start the first climbing gym in Austin. Wow. And he employed a lot of climbers at this restaurant. So I would go into oh, there to so eat up my lunch breaks and things. And they were all talking about climbing this, climbing that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> what is this rock climbing stuff? And so that's when he took me to the gym, and I see the rest yeah. is history. Great. So you've been guiding then twenty long years-ish yeah. or more. Yeah, I mean, very early. I started working at the climbing gym, you know, within the first year of climbing, and then I would take people outdoors. Um, occasionally, you know, people will be like, "Hey, lady, you know, I want right. to climb outside." And I was like, "Well, I'll take you. I could use some gas money." <laughs> yeah, back then, gas yeah, money. Back, back then, yeah. back in the day, right? Um, and then I would also help out with uh, Mountain Madness, which was our local guide service in Austin. Wait, I thought Mountain Madness based in Seattle. Different Mountain Madness. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think there was some lawsuit involved between the two. Okay. But, um, yeah, it was a small guide service in Central Texas. And so I'd help out with them when they had big groups and things like that. 
and then ended up down the Potrero, and that's where right, yeah, Potrero Chico. I started you doing have more that. amusing finger quotes for the listeners who can't see <laughs> finger quote. Uh, right, freelance guiding, and then um, New River Gorge Mountain Guides. Yeah, New River Mountain Guides. Yeah, on New River Mountain Guides. Yeah, and that was a guide service that was started. Um, goodness gracious, it was ninety. I think it was ninety four. Yeah, it was 1994 is when that guide service was founded, and it went through several hands before um, falling into mine when I moved to the new in 2002. And I know later you're also involved with Chicks with Picks, well, which get rebranded, and yes. we'll talk about those things. Mm-hmm. And and you also guide in Red Rock mm-hmm. too, so you must like guiding enough to. Keep doing it. So, what do you find the most rewarding thing for guiding? Well, I think in the beginning it was like out of necessity. Yes, um, for just like okay, I climb need to supply, um, well, yeah. support make, myself yeah, and make stuff, a living right? Yeah, and do the things. But I also enjoyed the learning process of going undergoing training and certification. Um, I really, uh, I valued that. Um, yeah, so I just kind of fell into it, like you're saying. It's like I didn't, you know, as a little girl, I didn't say, oh, I want to grow up and I want to be a climbing guide. You know, right. Just, I really loved climbing and I wanted to, um, you know, get paid to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was never a great climber where I could be sponsored and be paid just to rock climb. I needed to leverage my my skill set. Um, I, and to be honest, I, how many sponsor climbers can really do Yeah, they're getting lead? paid in shoes and ropes and clothes. Right, so only <laughs> for the, the most part. Right, only, only those handful of yeah, climbers yeah, can only really the make. most elite level are getting paid, like actual cash, like a paycheck. Right. But for years I collected, you know, and all the gear and equipment and, and stuff like that. So your first AMJ course was with Craig Lubin. Um, not, he didn't prove, no, he, not that he no. was the first person that I knew who was an AMG certified guide. And I was like, I see. you know, tell me more about that. And so that's why I became aware of the AMGA and what their, their mission. Um, and then I took a course through Adam Fox, who, oh, Fox guide, right? Fox mountain guides yes. down in North Carolina. He, Adam is, um, he kind of built the top rope site manager, which then became the single pitch instructor program. And he modeled that after um, the system that they use over in in England. I see. Your first longer course is the one that you organized with Craig Lubin, the rock instructor course. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I never met Craig, um, but his reputation, Mm -hmm. right, perceives him as pretty good educator so that course must be pretty positive yeah for you yeah yeah, yeah. that's great and then later on because you know before i jump into amga track i heard a lot of you rumors that say don't 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 do it mm-hmm. and so what do you think you think you also have seen amga grow and evolve and things you think do their course have really evolved into a pretty like robust course nowadays or or back then and all that, like tell me a little bit about the history you have observed. Um, and how my history and how it's it, changed yeah. since then. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a lot more women involved. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, back in the early days, it was just all all dudes in plaid shirts and visors or trucker caps. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's changed quite a bit. There were some office personnel that were female, but I didn't. I didn't know of any like working female guides until I met Angela Hawes. Um, and so she was a very early mentor of mine in the AMGA and um, later became my business partner with Chicks. So and she's from West Virginia, so we had a lot of um, I see. And how did you meet ties. her? Um, I think I met her at one of the outdoor retailer trade shows. She oh. was um, when Alpness Magazine first started. Um, she she worked for them. She was at the startup of the Alpinist, and I can't remember uh, what her exact um, job role was there. But um, I remember meeting her initially um, as an Alpinist um, employee or staff person. Wow! Yeah. Now was I would never imagine. I I need to find her and interview her too. Oh, you should. Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm sure she'd love to talk talk with you. Wow. Well, you are very good at networking and finding people. <laughs> I can hook you up with all kinds of people. <laughs> yeah. And I think I'm like just, yeah, I'm not putting myself out there enough. Um, There's one thing because I just interviewed Tracy mm-hmm. for the previous episode. And she told me about the stories that you two form a pack to yeah. do a lot of coursing exam together. And yeah. I think you initiated that. Right. Yeah, so I remember, so I took my rock instructor course with Craig Lubin at Seneca Rocks, and um, I was like, oh, I was brain overload. I was like, oh my God, I don't think I ever want to move. I don't know if I'll ever take the test, the exam. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if I want to be guiding multi-pitch because it was so, it felt really overwhelming. Interesting, but um, that must be because he taught a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, I learned a lot on, on my awesome. course. Yeah. Um, so courses have their value. They do. I mean, I've already been climbing, like, you know, at that point, probably eight or ten years, somewhere in there. Wow, and you still feel like and you... I learned so much. Wow. I learned so much, and so it felt like information overload. Um, and living on the East Coast, it was really hard to find multi-pitch terrain to practice the skills I learned on the course. I'd always have to True. travel. And so every winter I would travel to Joshua Tree and spend several months there, you know, practicing everything I'd learned and trying to keep them from perishing the skills that is. And, um, and I kept an eye back in those days on the ANJ website, you could log on for um, to register for a course, and you could see the other students' names. Oh, back then, who were signed up for the program. I and see. So I kept, I was keeping an eye on the on the exam because I knew um, I was getting close to being feeling ready, but I wasn't sure. And I logged on one day, and I saw Tracy Martin on the roster. I was like, "This is a sign." I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's Tracy Martin." I was, always wanted to meet her because um, she spent years at the new um, prior to me moving moving there. So I always knew her name from the community, and her name was in the guidebook. And she was just this this living legend that I've never met. And I saw her name there. I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "This is a sign." I was like, "Another woman on a course, and it's Tracy Martin." So I signed up. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So if I hadn't have logged on and saw her name, then 
maybe I would have delayed well, it, but it really, it was really motivating for me to be able to participate in uh, an exam I with see. another woman because I've never run so across any other check women. And check yeah. as if like people just log on their Instagram every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah, sort of like that. I guess. Uh, yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Just like that's a sign. We it was a sign. Yeah, yeah. Like okay, I was like Tracy's doing it. I'm gonna do it too. I can't wait right. to meet her. Great. Tracy said that you also encouraged her to do the advanced rock guy course in mm -hmm. the aspirin exam and everything yeah yeah so after that point we um you know we obviously kept in touch and we um you know did all of our, our rock guide programs together after that so right. we're actually triple certified at yeah. rock. <laughs> <laughs> and how important that is for you to for this whole process i think i think i mean it was huge just having someone who to go through and train with and be a second set of eyes and ears because mm -hmm. there's so much information that you uptake from these courses and advanced courses and assessments um having someone else to really help um develop all that knowledge and put it and apply it and go out there and work on using it all it was really really important if somehow you see but the male, uh, the candidate mm -hmm. on the course that you recognize, would you would you have the same feeling? Probably not. I mean, you know Tracy. I, mean, I know she's Tracy. So, she like, is the, sweet. She and... is the sweetest thing. Yes. And she's so um, attentive and such a great friend and just easy to hang out with. And you want to spend time with her. Right. She, like you meet Tracy and you're like instant best friends I, with her. I know. You know? Yeah. Like I just, like the first time I met. Yeah. She's yes. just, she's good people that you just want to spend your time with. Mm -hmm, and um, definitely. I think that, you know, more than anything was, was a really good motivator for me. Awesome. So, so guiding was uh, your main source of income for all those years mm -hmm. right and during this year we already talked about it's probably not that many female guides so you just yeah. kind of spot tracy was like well not the woman yeah so by the time um tracy and i got to our advanced course 2013 or 14 ish i think right yes yeah maybe 2013 or 14 yeah that sounds yeah. right mm -hmm. um erica engel was oh, also yeah, yeah, I remember her yes on our advanced course and we're like oh my god three out of woman three out of eight of the students on the especially course are advanced rock yeah. guy course yeah i didn't have any yeah so that was really cool right and apparently there was a fourth gal signed up oh. and i don't know who it was i wish I'd, i had because it would have been like a 50 50 split Definitely but, 50, um, that's sweet. Yeah, rarity. That was before the days of affinity programs mm -hmm. and women's specific sure. programs and things. Well, maybe you are always the boss, so you don't find it too challenging, but do you find any challenging part of being a female guy, though? Mm, I have to think about that one. I guess in the early days of the guide service, um, I definitely had clients who would come in for their day of guiding and I'd be like, Hey, I'm Elena. Nice to meet you. I'll be taking you out today. And they'd be like, you're my guide. You know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that was like way early on. Do anybody say go to say your new river mountain guys and say, Oh, we want to request a female guide. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we definitely get requests for female guides for sure. And typically what kind of those group? 
are? Um, usually it's, we get a lot of families on vacation and usually those families have kids that climb in a climbing gym somewhere and they're looking for opportunity to give their kids an outdoor climbing experience. And a lot of those kids are little girls and teenagers Uh. and preteens. And they're just looking for a positive sort of strong female role model. Definitely. um, For those young girls. Great. So nice to know that you write this like knee out there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. How about from the peers? Like, do you feel the peers in general respect you as a female guy, or um, or maybe they think that you can take a certain amount type of job or things like that? Yeah, I definitely feel respect from the community, and I have a respect for a lot of people in our community as well. I don't think. Awesome. I've never felt, um, you know, talked down to or overlooked or anything like that. I've been really fortunate, I guess. Nice. I know that's not the experience for a lot of <laughs> a lot of women out there yeah. who are trying to get into this profession. And how about the um, like challenges that's not gender specific then, fun guiding? The challenges that you know we've talked about this before is just finding the balance between work and work and play. Yes, I think every guide and instructor gets into that um, field of work because they love the climbing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it becomes overwhelmingly work and less overwhelmingly just for fun, then that right. balance can be upset. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a big challenge. Yeah, I mean, I was going to discuss that with you, but since we talk about it right now, what do you think, how you manage this? Oh, man. Um, I've learned to say no, mm-hmm. yeah, no. <laughs> to work. <laughs> I think early on, I felt the the pressure to just take all the work that was offered to me, regardless Is... of how I felt mentally or physically. Uh, if I needed so, um, backtrack a little bit. So you feel obligated to take work, but was that because um? that you need the money, say, for that yeah. particular period of time, or you just can't say no? Um, needed the money, for sure. I see. Yeah, yeah. just wanting to establish um, myself in that career and just establish a relationship with the guide service. True, if you because say, you always say you, no. If then... you turn down work, then you stop getting offered the work. So I've I said yes you know, to all the all guiding. All the time, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm and wondering probably... why I'm so tired. <laughs> So at that like <laughs> time period, you feel like burn out a little bit, though. Were, um, were you... It was still exciting. Exciting, you know? yeah, newish yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was psyched to get out there and be out there all the time. But now, definitely more of a burnout sort of. Um... And maybe you just like okay, I'm not need to take care of yourself. Take care of myself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so so I've learn to say better about saying turning down work. Right. And just being more selective with it. And choosing work that isn't as hard on my body. But that's also because you build a relationship, you have a little similarity. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have the freedom to do that. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. I've definitely put a lot of time in to get here. And I know that. Definitely. So it's kind of like a di- dilemma. Just like at the very beginning, I want to say no, but like, uh, maybe. Yeah. Wait a second. But then kind of have to have a plan to establish. Yeah. your position. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen any notable change in the guiding community other than you said that there's things like there's more, slightly more women? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's definitely a lot more female guides. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more mentorship opportunities and affinity programs. Um, other changes. I think the the atmosphere is more inclusive. Yes. Um, and diversified, which is all great. Yeah, it's not just a bunch of white dudes in plaid shirts anymore. How about the changes you see in the climbing community? Um, definitely way more women in that. Yeah, I think the climbing community seems the gender is more balanced yeah. than yeah. the guiding community. Yep, for right. sure. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of female climbers out there in the world. You must be invested enough to be on the board of AMGA. Mm-hmm. The what kind of change or what kind of things you you want to make? Um, change change in terms of like you know being on the board because you know where I mean I I bet over there you have board meetings with other board members and you mm-hmm. can hear more from what input from the members because I might not know mm-hmm. everything I'm just like a member here yeah. so you probably can hear more too. First of all, why you want to be on the board, I guess, Mm -hmm. is my first question. Yeah, I think um, initially, I guess my goal for being on the board is to support the AMJ mission, um, is to be the leader in training and certification and education for climbing guides in the United States. I've gotten so much fulfillment out of the training and certification process and to be able to provide those opportunities for other people. Um, and just help the organization, you know, continue to be the leader in that, I think, um, is a driving motivation for me. Um, they're setting the standards and um, legitimizing the profession in the eyes of not just the membership, but our clients and the general public, I think, is really important to increase the brand recognition of the AMGA so our clients are asking for AMGA trained and certified guides. I know on the board, they also have a subcommittee, mm-hmm. right? So what are the subcommittees that you are on? Um, there's there's a bunch of committees. Um, I'm on the executive committee. Um, okay. I was elected to the secretary position this last election cycle um, mm-hmm. by the board of directors. Um, so I sit in the executive session uh, committee meetings now, which is the, you know, the board chair, the president, the executive director, uh, the vice president and myself. So it's a small group of group of us who are now sort of um, steering the ship, taking feedback from the board and taking feedback from the members to um, keep us on course. I see. Uh, but other than the executive committee, I'm also on the technical committee and um, also the scope of practice committee. Is scope practice in effect now? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, because they've been postponing for a couple mm-hmm. of times, so I'm yeah, COVID kind of um, you know put the brakes on a lot of the a lot of the implementation of scope or practice. Um, but as as an SPI provider, I've been held to that standard for prior to its full um, passage. Um, and so yeah, scope of practice is in is in full effect now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess I and, won't. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those who are listening, scope of practice is just yeah. ensuring that guides are just like um, working in the terrain they're trained and certified to be in. So you're not a single pitch instructor guiding Denali. Mm-hmm. 
definitely not. It's a very different skill. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's kind of nice to see the common full circle because you were saying that the early pirate days you had, mm-hmm. very, oh, very yeah. early. I had and, no idea. Right. And then to yeah. climbing eight to 10 years, you feel, you took a course and mm-hmm. was like, wow, actually yeah. still yeah. learn a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I went from a pirate guide to... You so know. you recognize the value and yeah. trying to push mm-hmm. it. To, into standard yeah, was to great. legitimize it in, as yes, a profession right yeah, so i think a lot of the public out there and there's a lot of pe- guides out mm-hmm, there who mm-hmm. are untrained uncertified and right the public doesn't know the difference between us and them and it yeah. shouldn't be in us and them but it yes it's true, true but it is yes we both like our guys we know that guiding and personal climbing are like two different things mm-hmm. but what would you say that if we want to tell our listening like the biggest differences the biggest difference between guiding and recreational climbing mm-hmm. um just pro- like oh i know i have this good climbing friend that which is gonna take me on yeah. well like, professionalism for one uh, accountability uh, for reliability <laughs> and risk <definitely>. management <laughs> yes um and just uh trained to be able to handle any situation that you encounter um it's crazy today there's a lot of folks that are learning from people who just learned themselves you know mm-hmm. in the last like few months right and um I, just like me you know my first <laughs> climbing experience yeah I didn't, I didn't know what i didn't know i didn't know that yeah especially like, like leading my way. route my mm-hmm. second day climbing ever was a bad idea <laughs> i just trusted my friend and thank god it all worked out mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah obviously a lot of times i if you are not actively expose yourself to all those same information, you never know that yeah. you didn't know. Yeah, and back yeah. then we didn't have the internet, you know, really, right. and like yes. the forums and the resources and social media and YouTube and all the educational uh, resources out there. But there's, I feel like there's so much out there. It's hard to wade through it all and know what is legitimate and what True. is not. I mean, right now it's almost this is problem with too much information. It's too much information. Yeah, I, everybody yeah. can post a photo about anchor and criticize about it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I have students just send me this random photo they saw on the internet. Just uh-huh. like, what's the context? And, yeah, right. Yeah. So and that's what's missing. Is like that's mm-hmm. what. I, uh, trained and certified guide gives you is that right. context for greater understanding and they hate that i told them it all depends on yeah stuff so yeah you know that you gotta be some trick can you show me because look let me count so you <laughs> guide for time so you still own and operate new river mountain guides mm-hmm. you're on the board of amg and i know that you still do other things you you have a hobby and it, I know that you started to do a little bit of access work. Mm-hmm. How many hours do you have in your day? <laughs> uh, not enough. <laughs> yeah. How do you juggle all the things? I'm, um, I, I just listing those. See, mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed and mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. So how do you manage all these tasks? Um, I guess I've learned to ask for help when I need it. And I've learned to prioritize things um, that... Some things need more timely um, action than others. Um, I have a great manager back at in West Virginia um, who helps me run the guide service in my absence. And um, without him, I, his name's Jeff Hearn, and he's he's been awesome. He's been with me for over ten years now, managing the guide service there. So he allows me to step back from that business when 
especially during the downtime, but I really lean on him during, during the season um, to help uh, manage our employees and ensure customer satisfaction and all that. So I have a lot of good help um, along the way from a lot of different people and just prioritize and delegate. Nice. Now I feel very privileged you gave me your two hours <laughs> on my podcast. You know, that's like precious two Aww. hours. So I um, want to come back to you a little bit about affinity programs. Mm-hmm. You were one of the pioneers of the AMG affinity program, is it? Can yeah. I say that? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know I'd say I was the pioneer, but I was um, you were one there. of the few female instructors mm-hmm. for the SPI. Um, we're, I'm heavily involved in developing that program, but um, Tracy and I were the first two female instructors for the SPI discipline when the affinity programs came online. And that was how many years ago? Do you remember when the very first course that you taught? Maybe 20... 20- 17 for the women's programs? Okay, 2017. Right now, it's 2023. We probably didn't do anything during the COVID time, do we? No, I don't think so. Okay. Tracy and I taught um, two together, and you came on when with the Joshua Tree. With the one. Joshua Tree. So you yeah. taught one in Red Rock, uh, one yes. in Boulder, and then I yes. came in the Joshua Tree. Yes, right. That's and then right. we also did one in... New River Gorge. Yep. Yep. And then I just did one with Tracy in Red Rock. Yep. That's like five programs yeah, out six. there. Yeah, five. Yeah. And then when it started, it was uh, because ANG has an initiative to do affinity programs. Is that why? Yes. Yeah. And that was really Monse, Montserrat. Yeah, Monse did a lot of work. Yeah, she, I know. her and Shelma June from um, Flashboxing. Uh, yes. And Brown Girls Climb. Those three organizations um, and people really launched the women's affinity programs and the in the BIPOC programs. Mm-hmm. So you've been teaching all these years. I'm curious, what are those students? Uh, where are the, all the students now? I'm, I'm always curious. Do they somehow keep on and becoming a guy, or they take this SPI skill to somewhere else? And do you still keep in contact with some of them? Mm-hmm. Were you somehow a person for them to maybe you have their their network now mm-hmm. so they can find yeah yeah, yeah I've stuff. kept in touch with um, quite a few of them of course social media makes it easy to see what True. what they're up to but quite a few of them have gone on to after having taken the course to gain certification and some of them have moved out of it you know they've gone on to mm. you know start families and do other things and so. Um, guiding is a very hard way to make a living. It is. Especially, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, but the way, the way the world is, things are expensive and it's not the most sustainable career choice right. unless you have a, a safety net and people around you to support that. Guiding might not be the most sustainable, but it obviously gives you a lot of different fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much financially. <laughs> yeah, nobody gets in the guiding to become rich. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't expect that. Rich I, in experiences, maybe. Right. I <laughs> enjoy it in different ways, um, mm-hmm. but obviously juggling about my finance. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of time when, well, newer people, they came to me, I always like hesitant. I was, would I just be this 
cheerful cheerleaders say, "Oh yeah, you should totally do it." What? Oh, what? I try and talk people out of it all the time. Is is it because I'm, yeah, I'm just I don't know. You gotta think about this because、mm-hmm. I try to be honest.、Mm-hmm. Just you know, I have my own difficulty. I have my own struggle.、Mm-hmm. So. You you try to talk. Yeah, I mean it's unpredictable and unreliable,、mm-hmm. and a lot of things depend on it working out for you. And、um, it's it's a hard way to make a living. So, do you envision you guiding for another? I don't know how many. Years. <laughs> <laughs> Or you are trying to have different. Life or、I'm, career yeah, plan. Yeah, definitely diversifying.、Um, right. I've been doing it long enough that.、Um, I've been able to make a good career and build a reputation on it.、Um, it's always will always be a part of what I do. But that said, it's I think it's important to be diversified. And so during COVID, when all guiding ceased to happen, I was able to lean into、uh, rope access work, where I got、uh, training and certification through IRATA and SPRAT. Uh, rope access organizations. So thank God I had that skill set to to fall back on because all that work,、um, which is largely construction、um, type industry, was still ongoing、right. um, all through the pandemic. And so while commercial guiding was was gone, I was able to、um, take work opportunities for that. So I was very fortunate with how how that timing worked out. And do you envision you would do? More or more and more that line of work, and then a little bit less on guiding.、Or? Yeah, yeah. So the past several years, I've definitely stepped back from guiding as much. Not saying yes to all the guiding work, and、right. just being more selective. Largely just offering AMGA single pitch instructor courses. I see. In exams and、uh, working with my long term clients,、um, occasionally taking on new ones. Um, but I've also started、um, picking up rope access work, and I'm an assistant trainer for Irata and Sprat. So now I'm using my my experience teaching and guiding to teach a new trade I to people in those organizations. I guess you also choose and pick your work on the rope access terrain too, because I also have quite a few climbing friends who.、Mm-hmm. Do that line of work because it pays a little bit better. It pays a lot better.、Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or I should say, a lot better. Yeah. And but it's from their story, it seems like it's very physically demanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that also your experience too? So that made me wonder whether it's even less female friendly. Say. Oh, it is far less female friendly. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's maybe I don't know what the exact percentage is, but I guess it's under, definitely under five percent female in those organizations. Right. So but, you、um, you like those type of things? Apparently, <laughs> but I've had really great female mentors in rope access. Awesome. But、yeah. a lot of great male mentors too. Right. But um, yeah, Amanda Smith, who um I first met working my first you know rope access light I call it um job for Over the Edge. It's an organization that、um, holds fundraisers to、uh, for nonprofit organizations, and、um, they help facilitate rappelling experiences off of high-rise buildings. 
and they use rope access equipment and techniques to make that experience happen for somebody who walks up off the street essentially and pays a thousand dollars to rappel off of a high-rise building yeah um but amanda um she was um you know, my, one of my first, uh, like bosses, so to speak, she's a, uh, now a level three rope access technician. And she just really was great about showing me how all the systems work and all the rigging and the nuances with that. And then, um, now we work together on a semi-regular basis. She's a trainer for, uh, Rig Rope Access, which is a company that's based here in Las Vegas that provides training and certification for IRATA and SPRAT. Uh, rope access technicians so when I go in there and assist I get to work with Amanda and hey. it's Amanda and I in there with a bun- largely a bunch of dudes you know from a wide range of uh, walks of life in different uh, professional or you know trade backgrounds and um, so that's pretty cool to be in that, that power yes. position of power right and then it seems like at least nowadays if they sign on a student role they don't they look up to you, I think. It's just like mm-hmm. they, they will not say, oh, we need a male instructor. They know that it's mm-hmm. female instructor, strong instructor out there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they know when they show up and walk in the door. I don't think they know who their instructor <laughs> is prior to signing up. But right. um, but yeah, it's never it's never been an issue. Um, Great. To my knowledge, anyway. Yes. Right. People are there to learn, and I think... You know, having that mindset going into it, they're willing to take uh, direction and feedback and um, just carrying yourself confidently and um, treating people as the human beings that we all are Mm -hmm. as an equal, not as a lesser or a greater. I think it helps level that playing field. Right. Actually, I have to I step back a little bit because now we got this drag robot. That's what editing is for. Yeah. And. (laughs) I was wondering, because you were involved with Chick's Picks, which mm-hmm. was the very original name, mm-hmm. um, was the Chick's program, and they rebranded yeah. themselves into Chick's Climbing and Skiing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when you step in as part of the owner, right? When they yeah. Beca- yeah. became uh, Chick's Climbing and Skiing. Right, yeah. When, yeah. Um, so Chick's with Picks was started... I remember seeing the ads in those climbing magazines. I remember that when too. I first started climbing, yeah. and I remember seeing the prices and going, "Oh my god, I'd love to do that, but I could never afford to do that." Oh, okay. Um, so I remember the ads in the back of climbing magazine classifieds forever ago. Um, and then I was in Ure, um with Chad. We were there ice climbing. He got me into ice climbing because um, he was, you know, he would go there every winter and spend a week or two. And I met him up there. No, I'd had dabbled in ice climbing before, but he mm-hmm. really was more passionate about it. And um, it was a great, he's been a great teacher and a mentor uh, for me in that medium, as well as route development. But um, I digress. So we were in Uray, and there was a, um, a slideshow fundraiser thing that Chicks was offering. And um, he bid on a, um, it was a silent auction, and he bid on a day of climbing with Don Glantz. Oh. who is a mixed she's a mixed climbing like maven and i was like oh my gosh you know it's like like going climbing lynn hill you yeah. know it was like that level of uh i was fangirling out and so he bid on that for me and then i became friends with dawn and went back the following winter and she's like oh she's like you're the one who you know, won that in the silent auction she's like we're just gonna go climbing <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so we became fast friends, and then um, the opportunity came up to buy chicks because um, Kim Reynolds, the founder. Um, was moving on and uh, she passed the torch on to to us and I had worked with chicks previously through New River Mountain Guides offering women's programs um, but I met, met Dawn and then I crossed paths with Kitty a bunch and Angela Hawes of course um, and then we brought on uh, Karen Bockel who um, is now an IFMGA guide and uh, she had worked for chicks and so Basically, five of the Chicks Guides um, bought the business. We rebranded it Chicks Climbing and Skiing and then um, kind of expanded the programs beyond just ice climbing, which um, Chicks was predominantly known for, and expanded the rock climbing, alpine climbing, and skiing. Right, because you have like Kitty Cajon is like mm-hmm. legend living the high mountains and yeah. right and then you have two I have MGA guys yeah yeah and Don Glant she's an alpine guide and right. a rock guide so and definitely a little rock guide <laughs> 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 cool and but then it after dissolved right um so we sold the business um right at the beginning of COVID, actually. Oh, okay. And, so it's not um, because of COVID. It was definitely part of it. It was it was a lot for five people Probably to manage. Probably just too, too many cooks in the kitchen, Lots of cooks in the kitchen. So it's hard to, especially yeah. you all travel in different. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a challenge just coordinating everybody and everything between five people. Yeah. Um, so the communication overhead is... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was a top-heavy organization. And mm-hmm. so it really needed um, just uh, an individual or two to, to carry on. And, um, you know, like... COVID caused a lot of people to re-examine their priorities in life. And I think that happened to all five of us individually. And um, we decided the best thing for the company was to pass it on to um, a smaller management team. And um, and so Lindsay Fixmer, who's been a longtime guide for Chicks, she's kind of the managing uh, op- operations manager, I would say. So she's running that, and it was actually rebranded into iris alpine great so basically just kind of downsize the management yep. team to yep. make it more nimble maybe yep. yes yeah. mm-hmm. it seems like you know your life's all about okay meeting new people learning new experience and then evolve okay mm-hmm. some challenging comes and what should we do and solve this problem mm-hmm then have you ever have like some panic moment though during all the turns? Uh, it's all just like oh, I'm just stay calm. This is just who I am, you know. So. I'm pretty. I think I'm pretty calm generally. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think mean, if I panic, I'm panicking on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> right. If yeah. if I go out guiding, even if I don't know the route, I mean they better not show it yeah right yeah i mean it's just not my nature either to panic right i tend to when i am guiding in that in that case i'm i like to stay in more familiar terrain right not uh not just all on-site guiding all the time yeah Yeah. and it depends on the client some clients you can on-site guide Mm -hmm. with and you know share that definitely decision-making processes that go along with that with them but um yeah, with an unknown client and unknown objective, but that's a lot of unknowns. Yes, to deal yeah. with. Yes. You keep yourself a little buffer, yeah. basically. Yeah, so exactly. you, we never go into this panic 
mode. Yeah, if you're panicking, then things you're, is you're just gonna crumble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you need to adjust. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, you're still guiding, obviously, and teaching、mm-hmm. courses, doing a little bit of rope access work. What's your hobby then? I mean, I got asked this all the time. People just say, "Tini, what do you do?" Yeah. So、um, my newest hobby I've been doing for several years now is dirt biking. Dirt bike, yeah. Wow, like downhill dirt biking. Um, like、uh, motorcycles. Oh, yeah, okay. I downhill, see. Downhill, it's uphill. It's a cross hill. <laughs> it's uphill, downhill. Wow, sounds pretty adventurous. Yeah, it can be more risky or... than climbing. Yeah, I mean it. It can feel that way at times, but、um, it's so fun. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Right, the and here we in Vegas, we have a lot of terrain. So、right? good,、I、yes,、see. yeah. Any direction,、Ooh. there's a lot of public land, and you can quickly cover a lot of ground and、mm-hmm. explore, you know, canyons、right. and mountain ranges and valleys, and it's a cool way to interact with the desert and, and see new places and explore. And there's no people out there, then, which is wonderful. Yeah, there's no crowds. <laughs> Don't have to wait in line for a route. You say, okay, how many parties ahead of us? So I already wake up at five a.m. Yeah, we really don't need to get up for Birdland. <laughs> I was actually on Birdland the other day. I, I got into a loop at six a.m. I was a fourth party. Can you believe this? Oh my! You see, this is yeah. This is oh my god. That's insane. Yeah. So then, do you still have some climbing goals and that you wanted to do? Oh, I've really. Oh, you you kind of like ah yeah I'm more have I, dirt biking. Yeah, right now I'd say my immediate goals are more dirt bike. <laughs> <laughs> um, climbing goals. I've been so fortunate to achieve so many of them. I'm not done climbing per se,、mm-hmm. um, but I'm yeah I've shifted. My attention to to dirt biking, and that's been really fun to have something totally yes, different、definitely. to be brand new at and learning.、Um, I've been climbing twenty eight, almost twenty nine years, and wow, time flies. Time flies. Yeah, I'm still learning, but、mm-hmm. I've had so much experience、um, that it's not like earth shatteringly new. Things that I'm learning, it's just modified old knowledge into newer, better not you know application of knowledge.、Um, but dirt biking, it really、um, helps me. It checks that box of like learning a new skill and progressing at something. Like yeah,、um, it's always nice. Yeah, it's always yeah. nice to learn something yeah, new. Yeah, to see、anyway. progress. And see progress. Yeah, yeah. right now climbing, like, it's hard. It's to... like I train and then I still. Yeah. Don't see much yeah. difference. Yeah, the plateaus are long, and you know, far into the distance. <laughs> in the past, you know, it's like I've been climbing the same level for so long.、Mm. <laughs> like the gains are minute, you know, very very small.、Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to see bigger gains in something, and you know, engaging in a different kind of sport definitely、uh, enables me to have that sort of that feeling of. I don't want to say success, but you know、mm-hmm. it is in a way. 
Well, so far, I think I asked all the questions I want to ask. I bet I probably have more questions. I'm just like, hmm, how am I going to network? How am I going to meet all these awesome people? Yeah. And then maybe actually, I probably would ask you to help me to introduce some other female guys Absolutely. that yeah, I can I interview. Mean, That's like yeah. probably my immediate request. Yeah, I, can, I can definitely put you in touch with yeah, people. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Happy to help you. Awesome. Okay, I co call somebody if they didn't respond. So I'm going to ask the lady to <laughs> help me with yeah, this. I'm happy to help. Hey, mm, okay. so how can people find you? Oh, they can find me on the social medias. Like Facebook, Instagram? <laughs> Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, yep. definitely uh, I'll put your handle on awesome. the show note on Instagram. Laner Climbs. Yeah, Laner's Climbs, my Instagram handle. That's right. a good way to reach me. The last thing I want to say is, um, I think that's cool. I just heard your most recent podcast. You were interviewed by your niece. Yes, yeah. I just saw her in Phoenix. It is awesome. Yeah. yeah, and then she she kept referring you. It's like, oh, I have this cool aunt. This is cool aunt. Yeah, and and I have two nieces too. I mm-hmm. hope you know I'll hear somewhere that they will like refer me as a cool aunt. Oh, I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Very happy to have you and thank you so much for Thanks, uh, giving me your precious time for uh, this you month. Bet. I'm happy to happy to help and it's great to see you. Yeah.